What are the key things that they need to be focusing on in order to make it attractive to a buyer? Small business mentality means you chip in wherever wherever you're required. Somebody once said to me, you have to learn to accept that 75% from your staff is okay. You know, it's it's your life and soul, but you can't you can't expect any more than that. And I always say you have to accept that, you know, I always talk about your biggest attribute in selling and growing your business is speed. Speed of response and speed of how you action what you're gonna do and deliver on that is key. Welcome back to another episode of The Winning Journey. Uh, I'm your host, Chris McGee, and today I've got a very special guest for you. If he's not, not off growing multi-million pound businesses, he's destroying property with his bare hands, bringing it down to the ground, and uh, rebuilding them. So my guest is Marty McCauley. Welcome, Marty. Good, good to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me on board. Thank you for coming. So well, how are you getting on today? First of all, your tea's absolutely uh, delicious. Thank you. <laughs> Makes a good cup of tea. I had to stop off at Tesco's on the way down because I knew that a wee bit of caffeine, I would have got a really good conversation out of you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I really wanted to get you on here for, for quite a while. Uh, obviously, we've been speaking in the gym for quite a long time. Yep. Um, and I was like, I've got to get this guy on the podcast. Yep. So why don't you give us a bit of a background to your career? Uh, to what happened uh, no and how, how you started and, and, and what you're up to now. No problem. So uh, I suppose uh, if I go back to university days, I studied sports science. My whole plan was to be a PE teacher. All the way through university, I was destined uh, to become a teacher and I suppose I just got out the other side of university and it's like anybody's uh, dad. Um, first thing they say to you is, right, son, you've had your fun, you need to get to work. Um, and I had a family friend that worked in Bavarian BMW at the time. So uh, before I knew it, within a couple of weeks, I was in there working. Right. And um, fell into sales. Um, actually loved it. I was, what, 21, 22. And, where, uh, where, where were you selling or where, where did you work? Selling BMWs for Ag News. Oh, so, right, right, right. So yeah. 21, 22, selling flash cars, making a load of, you know, back then I had no money. So making making a wage was, was amazing. Uh-huh. And uh, um, very quickly actually um, got promoted through the sales manager within three or four years. Things were, things were really took off and went, right. went really well. And uh, I suppose... Um, the good thing is it gave me a good education as to how a big business runs and 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 how a profitable business runs and I suppose you're you're taking a lot more in than you realised at the time. Yep. And a lot of people don't know that about me spending that time in there, but um, especially when you're working in sales as yeah. well, like that. If you're gonna if you're gonna start somewhere from the bottom, that's going to give you the best skill at yeah. sales all the way or marketing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I suppose then. Was about what 25 26 and uh connor my older brother had floated the idea about starting um our own business together um which it, which um obviously that's where kai's and print evolved from um mm-hmm. at that stage i was a bit nervous i was young didn't really know what to do didn't know anything about print didn't know anything about graphic design anything about branding no clue at all all i knew how to you know what to do was how to sell you know and um and so we decided you know what Let's give it a go. We'll give this a bash and see how we go. So it'll be twenty. It's two thousand and two thousand and eight. September two thousand and eight. We give this a go, and we started. Um, started in Connor's back bedroom. We quickly moved to the um, an office just above the limelight. Yeah. Um, just yep. on Ormond Avenue. Um, and we grew the business there. Um, to about five or six staff. Um, and I suppose our best move then, following about two or three years, f- funny actually, we were above the limelight, which is which is Shine Productions. Yeah. Um, to the guys who would look after um a lot of the gigs like Bell Sonic and things like that. 
Yes. And they, they were our first customer and still remain a customer to this day um, of Kaizen. So, um, but we moved there very quickly after about two or three years up to the Lisbon Road. Yeah. Um, and that was our biggest period of growth. Um, we grew there from like five staff up to maybe 36, 37 staff. And we were all crammed into a three-story house on the Lisbon Road. It was Jesus. It was bonkers. So, so how did you, like, how quickly did that happen from five to 35? So that happened probably over the space of about six or seven years, maybe seven or eight years. So it was, it was, it was quick, but it was, it was, you know, it was a lot of hard work and, um, a lot of building relationships, um, a lot of, don't get me wrong, we had friends and family that opened a lot of doors and, and, uh, and, and, and helped us on our way. But I mean, it was a lot of graft, a lot of door knocking, a lot of contact and Mm -hmm. a lot of pitching, um, Suppose Kaizen in its early days was Kaizen Print, but then from that, um, we we evolved a branding team, and and, and we obviously we grew that to which now sits with a team of ten graphic designers, um, and and from them we've actually grown a digital team, which is a team of web developers and web designers and so on. Um, so the company has evolved over the years. Um, but that was our biggest period of growth in that sort of Lisbon Road area. Yeah, um, yeah. Where, and, and I suppose why we grew so much was. Um, we, we try to focus, instead of sort of like the walk-in trade, we try to focus on the tier one clients, mm. chasing bigger business, yeah. people with a bigger spend, and uh, and really sort of pushing the channel between Belfast and Dublin. And it's we, like, the, like the Pareto principle, 20, 20% of your clients is going to bring in 80% uh, of your revenue. And that's still exactly the same in, in, in Kaizen today. You know, our, our, our top sort of 20% of clients make up the majority of our revenue. Yeah. Um, but we work that channel, Chris, just Belfast to Dublin. Connor and I were up and down the road all the time. We have some great flagship companies, even from Dublin. Um, Joe Duffy Group, mm-hmm. a group of twenty-two car dealerships. Um, we've got um, the Q's Crisps would be obviously one of the major sort of crisp players, crisp crisp operators or wholesalers, sorry, in in the south of Ireland. Q's Crisps. Q's Crisps, yeah. Oh so, right, okay. So they would be they would be the Tato in the south of Ireland. So they're they're huge. Right, right, right. There obviously is a Tato in Southern Ireland, but these guys would be the premium sort of yeah um, high end, but um. People like Heineken in Ireland as well, and um, Richmond Marketing who are based in, du- in sort of on the Lisburn Road here, mm-hmm. but also in Dublin. So mm-hmm. people like that, um, and 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 we worked that channel and we grew the business. And it's like anything, when you own your own business, it's your job to sell. You know, you can, you know, it's your job to leave and from the, the front and, and the market as well. You know, it's if you can, yeah, it's yeah. your job to market. It's your job to sell. It's your job to ensure. You know, we we always live by the motto: sell more, and everything will take care of itself. Yeah, and there's maybe not a whole pile of truth in that because you you know you got to manage your cost of sales, you got to manage your people, you got to manage your, your your company structure. Your you know there's so much more to it, but we, we always lived by lived and, and and died by the ethos: sell more, and everything will work exactly. out okay. You know, yeah. you and I had a conversation there off camera as well. I was saying about a lot of my time is being spent in operations at the minute because yeah. I'm spending more time in it to get out of it, so yeah. I can spend more time selling yeah. and marketing. And you know, you never want to find yourself in a position. We have a lot of people to do the work, but you don't have enough sales coming in. Yeah. It's better to have more sales coming in and then to find the people. Well, we that's exactly the principle we live by as well. So in Kaizen, we we kind of grew the business to the point where we were at breaking point, and then we added a member of staff. And then we, we got that person to breaking point. And again, you're looking after your team. You don't want nobody, you don't want any of them breaking, but we didn't want to go and front load a whole, you know, whole yeah, pile of yeah. staff and then have to find the business because that's, that's for me, a poor way to do it. It's, it's, it's a quick way to do it, but it's a more risky way to do it. So we, we literally, in that period where we grew from six or seven staff to 37 staff on the Lisbon Road, we literally grew, added, grew, added, grew, added, grew, added. So mm. it was organic growth and it, and it was safe and it was, it was, you know, 
the nice thing about our business is we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different clients spending small amounts. So the business was quite safe. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we didn't have all our eggs in sort of 20 or 30 baskets, you know, yeah, and yeah. which was which was nice. Um, but that that's how we grew. And then um, we actually, we'd, we bought that um, place on the Lisburn Road. And um, so we would have stayed there forever, only the staff, um, it was just getting too too, too cramped, yeah, yeah. right? Um, but we loved it there, you know, at the end of the day, a nice office on the Lisburn Road and all the all the eatery, eateries that go with it and, and whatever else and all the nice cafes. Um, but we, we ended up having to make a move then to uh, uh, Jenny Mount Business Park, which is where we are now. Okay. Um, and uh, so we moved there about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I suppose, it was a nervous move. Um, we sold our house on the Lisburn Road that we had and we moved into a, a 5,000 square foot premises, but it was a rented rented yeah. space and um, it was a big move for us it was you know the the the, the rent alone was the guts of 50 grand a year so it was it was a huge mm, huge move for big, us big, yeah yeah and um but uh, you know it's like anything we sat with our accountant and um, with a really really good accountant still work with him to this day and he said listen guys you can afford it let's make it move you'll be able to scale your business a lot bigger and and, and we took his advice and we went for it mm-hmm. um and, and things went well from there they continued to grow and then i suppose so what are we now it's just over two years so four years ago actually we were we were approached so we were only really in our new building maybe about a year and a half and mm-hmm. we we were approached by um northwest news group um which was a company uh they they, they own a, a range of regional newspapers in the northwest of the country yes and um, papers like the all-star herald the donegal news and so on um a, a very uh, uh a business which is over 100 year old so a very well-established business mm-hmm. um and uh over a two-year period, um, quite a lot of due diligence in there as well. Um, we managed uh, to sell a hundred percent of the company to to the Northwest News Group, and um, which was a momentous occasion for us. Um, and you know, a day we'll never forget. You know, considering the the amount of work that went in to, mm-hmm. to get to that point with yeah. with COVID in the middle of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and figures, you know, Connor and I. I, rem- I still remember to this day, Connor and I. You know, COVID hitting, we hadn't got the deal over the line. We actually tried to force it over the line, um, in March, um, twenty twenty, when COVID had just sort of hit in the February February time, and yeah. um, so we, nobody really knew what was going on. So we tried to force the deal over the line, thinking, "What's all this COVID stuff?" Yeah, and uh, but it didn't happen. It got delayed and uh, it got benched. Um, so the, so the guys disappeared for four or five months. We thought the deal was done. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it was dead. We thought it was dead. Sorry, dead in the water. Um, luckily, uh, Connor and I went in two days after COVID hit, and everybody was in lockdown. We went in, and we had to think: How the hell can we keep our figures good here? How can we keep things going? To, because otherwise, uh, everybody felt the same, didn't they? You know, it's just nobody the, knew. It was nobody just knew. Crazy. The business, the figures were starting to plummet, and we thought. How do we keep this going? How do we keep the figures, you know, at a level that oh, we need to to, yeah. to keep to keep the price of the company where it was? Because it's like anything when oh, something the overheads as well that you've just taken on, you know, absolutely. fifty grand yeah. a year warehouse, yeah, yeah, and 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 with all our staff, obviously furlough helped massively, but we had to reposition the business, and we kind of went into um, overnight. We came up with a strategy where we would sell sort of. Um, uh, COVID-related printed materials, such as, you know, uh, safety distance banners, floor stickers, keeping everybody away from from each other, mm-hmm. perspex screen, stuff we'd never done before. And we just, we, overnight, we grew this catalogue um, and we started, we, very quickly, we won the Education Authority contract. Um, and uh, we just had to pivot. 
you know, we had really to pivot quickly, yeah. really, really quickly, go look in the business. And our, we actually made a shed ton of profit even in those months. And there was maybe only a half dozen of us in the business at, at, at most. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's something I'm probably more proud of being able to keep that going in that time. Um, Connor was downstairs on the floor printing. I was upstairs selling. All the staff were at home. It was crazy times. Yeah. Um, but we were delighted. Hustle, 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 yeah. hustle. And then eventually, on the first of December of that year of 2020, we we uh, we we managed to get the uh, the, the deal done and get it over the line, which was just um, which was just the best day, you know. Um, and then we had a two year R night period, um, which. Completed then in December, just at the at Christmas there. Yes. Um, so Connor yes. Connor actually exited the company, um, and immediately, uh, immediately, yeah, he was he was happy to go. I I still love what I do, and um, I remained on in the business on a, on a four day week. Um, obviously, I've always had a a passion, which we're talking about, um, uh, about property, um, and investing in property. Yeah. Um, it's a journey I started on maybe three or four years ago as a bit of a side hustle. Um, but the side hustle is just sort of starting to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And now the um, time's balanced between... Now the time's yeah, balanced yeah. between the two, yeah. And now I'm on a four-day week. It sort of allows me the other three days of the week to, to, to focus on on lofty properties, which is only really launched in the last sort of... Uh, the company's only really been um, launched in the last few months. Um, um, but obviously, uh, it's been something that's been kind of going on in the background for a, for, for a number of years now. So Brilliant. So I actually want to go back because the, I know a lot of people that are listening to this are, you know, people in my industry and other business owners. So I w- want to ask you about specifically, you know, trying to get your business ready for a sale. Yeah. So if if you're you're a fast growing company or you you know somebody who or somebody's listening to this who is a fast growing yep. company and they want to put their business up for sale, what are the what are the key things that they need to be focusing on in order to make it attractive to a buyer? Yeah, so I mean, obviously our business, we're still a small case and still a small business. You know, mm-hmm. we had we had under forty staff. Um, Connor and I were uh, we were managing directors, but we were we were we were marketing. We were doing all the marketing. We were doing all the selling. We were the guys that jumped in on the on the production floor and helped out when required. Small business mentality means you chip in wherever wherever you're required, right? Absolutely. So the first thing we realized, um, you need a yeah. We need to add a wee bit of structure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, at, at that stage, we had some real good key players in the team, but they maybe just you needed didn't to have, give them specific yeah, roles. We need to give yep. them specific roles. They may, maybe didn't have the title that 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 um that they warranted at that stage. Um, but but at, basically, what we done was we wanted to put some pillars in amongst us and and sort of as the senior management team, pillars in the middle, sort of to strengthen the the, the management sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the management of the, of the team and then obviously and below that then we had we had uh, the remainder of the team so we put in, in position a production manager a sales manager and a design director okay so they were kind of our um sort of three pillars of strength in the company uh, and and we developed management meetings and and the thing is a lot of people have the skill set in their locker you maybe just need to kind of draw it mm-hmm. out of them yeah and um and it was you know we have a very young management team i mean the guys are all probably um people feel like when they're contributing towards the actual yeah. goals of the business the numbers whatever else it, 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 
not even about the title, but if they feel like they're contributing yeah. to something really important in the growth, they're they're much more likely to, to, to if participate. You, if you can, you know, we, we often talk about this in business, but if you can get everybody in your company cooking, right? So everybody, everybody bought into what you're trying to do. Yeah. And, and everybody, if they all respect what you're trying to do and, and, and you're open and honest about your plan and, mm-hmm. and we've always been very open and, and, and telling people the direction we're going and not hiding anything from anybody and, if everybody buys into what you're trying to do and you get everybody cooking on the same direction, in there you'll find a sweet spot where you'll make a shed load of money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're in all companies, you're going to have bad eggs. You're going to have some people that maybe are just not a right fit for your business. That's natural, right? Okay. But it's important that you, as a people person, can can wean out who's good for your business and who's not good for your yeah. business and, and be quite succinct and quite sharp. And, and, you know, I often talk about, you know, don't carry any passengers, you know, and, and that might sound a wee bit ruthless, but at the end of the day, um, you'll know within the first few months if somebody's good for your business or not, right? Mm-hmm. And and I and, and they'll know themselves. And at the end of the day, you want happy workers in, in, in your workplace. And if they're not the right fit for your business, they're not going to be happy, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it'll just upset them, it'll upset you. So it's it's important to, to obviously find your find, find a team that works for you. So anyway, back to the point, the, sorry, the question you initially asked, and um, we put in that sort of core middle management team, um, and they uh, we worked very closely with the team and growing the business. Um, and I suppose we passed over a bit more responsibility um, as much as we could to these guys, mm-hmm. and they were more than capable. and And these guys are all within the business now, and they've all even stepped up further following the acquisition, which is amazing for them. And 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 I'll always thank you know anybody on our team, and including our, our core management team. You know we couldn't have sold the business without them. They were the guys that helped grow the business alongside us. Yeah, and yep. So so structure there is key. Okay, trying to trying to remove yourself from the day to day operations really really difficult to do as a as an owner stroke managing director. Um, yeah, but I'm feeling the pinch myself. Yeah, uh, I, I spoke about it off camera. because the operations is the that's the stressful part yeah. of running any, especially you know service-based business or, or any business, you know, trying to get yourself out of that. It's hard that they, they, they try and push that quality onto your staff and, and let them, it's hard to let go well, of it. Well, the way, the way Chris, I always say is that um, somebody once said to me, you have to learn to accept that 75% from your staff is okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you as an owner operator or owner managing director are always going to give a hundred and twenty percent, right? Because it's your business. It's you know, it's it's your life and soul. Um, which you can't expect that off a member of staff who you're paying a wage to. Yeah, they'll give it their all, absolutely. But you can't you can't expect any more than that. And I mm. always say you have to accept that you know anywhere from seventy five to hundred percent is good. Okay. Um, and if if you can learn to accept that, you know, and 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 coach them along, you know, I. There's two ways you can. You, there's two ways you you can teach your team to be better. The old school way was you know hit somebody with a stick, right, and and try and get better out of them. You can't Met- metaphorically, you know, of metaphorically, course. of course, yeah. But my approach has always been to coach them to be better. If if they're doing something that you don't like the way they're doing it, try and educate them and teach them to be better, and and tell them why, and ask them why or how they tell, think they could do why. it better. Yeah, telling them why. Try and draw it out of them. What is there a way you think you could do that better? Right. Well, you know, let's maybe look at doing that next time. Try and see what the results are next time. You know, if you, if you can't you can't come down hard on somebody if you haven't coached them or or or, or asked them to try to be better. You know, that, that's. 100%. That's one mistake I made with, with previous team leaders and stuff, yep. you know, back in 2021, 2022. I didn't actually train anybody. I just give people a promotion, give them a title. Yep. No training, no nothing, no expectations, no measurable yep. outputs. Yep. And I was just like expecting them to go in and I was like, why well, are they not doing this? But 
you, you, you need to train people. Yeah. You need to coach them. And you need to check in with them. You need to totally agree. do all that. And you, you think you, you have your own business and, and you grow your business to a certain level. I, I'm no business guru, right? I'm no expert, right? Okay, all I claimed, uh, um, my, my claim is I, I know how to do what I've done in my business and I, I know it worked and I know it made a few, a few pounds and the business grew as a result. So I was able to pass that knowledge and expertise on to my team and educate them on what worked for me. And if it worked for me and they sort of operated in a similar fashion with their own spin on it, it could work for them and the business could grow. Was there a better way of doing things? Probably was. Could I have tried a different approach? Probably, right? But you get into your own rhythm. Everybody's their own person. And if it's working and it's making a few quid and you're keeping customers happy and you're meeting deadlines and you're not letting anybody down and there's processes in place, you stick to it and you just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And I suppose that's the, it's a bit monotonous, but I think a lot of people in business can jump from, okay, that's going well. Okay, I'll maybe take, five or ten grand out of that business and pump it into something else and try that instead of just actually focusing on the one thing that they're good at and repetitively repeating the mm. process and just getting better at it and you know tightening up and making more margin and and then adding more salespeople and doing it again and again and you know it is a bit monotonous and sometimes it can it's a bit relentless but focus on what you're good at you know and and, and you'll grow so that's that's kind of something that I learned over the years. And there was, I mean, I'll not get into it, but there was a couple of times we did dabble in other things and they didn't work. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought, right, we need to just focus on what, what we're good at, you know? Absolutely. And yeah, I, I've done that as well. You know, you get you get a little, I mean, I was only a one man or two, you, there was just me and one other guy at one yeah. stage just doing a couple of man and van kind of, you know, five, six days a week. And I was like, oh, I've really started a business here. I've done really, really well. Yeah. yeah. Little did I know. And then I was trying to off. I was off trying to do coaching and I was off trying to do property and I was trying to do all these things and I was like, I haven't even got one business going. I don't have one. I've yeah. got, I've got three jobs here. I don't have three businesses. Yeah. So I scrapped it and then I went from, you know, you went from a certain amount of revenue to triple that within yeah. a year of yeah. just focusing on one thing. Yeah. And then obviously you run into problems when you get to a certain level, operations, problems, processes. So that's kind of the, the stage we're at now before we, we, we take the next jump. And, and, and what you'll find is uh, we learned this i mean we often joke and say if we could keep our business below 10 staff we would because whenever you go above that we find that then you become you know you've just become a hr manager you, you you're managing people then you're also an operations manager you're managing process and operations in the business to make sure things mm-hmm. tick mm-hmm. but there's still then all the old customers who still like to deal with you and you have a good relationship with them. For me, the, the most fun part of the job was dealing with the customers and was selling and upselling and, and maximizing the customer spend. I mean, we have some customers in Kaizen who maybe in year one spent 10 grand with us, but now might be spending a quarter of a million with us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but that's just over years of trust and growing relationships. And, mm-hmm. and I enjoy that. That's the bit that I enjoy. But as your business grows, you become a people manager. You become... And you, you, you'll become the bottleneck in your business. I've, yeah, I've realized yeah, that yeah, if I, you can't yeah. let go of things, you, you'll bottleneck it. Then you have to start passing duties out, you know, and, yeah. and, and you know, a good, a good MD will always delegate out. Difficult to do because MDs normally try and hold a lot of stuff because they're so precious and, um, but you just get the right people and trust them and, and trust that they're going to do the right thing for your business and, and start passing out. I, I still struggle with that, but um, but it's it's something that you have to do to grow. So, like separating operations and sales for for me, that's one thing I found is key. Because yeah. if I'm dealing with problems, if I'm dealing with operations problems multiple in a day, 
and I'm about to go in and do a quote, you're in a different energy yeah. as well. If you're dealing dealing with problems all morning, all morning, and then you're trying to go in and sell different skill set. Yeah, yeah, it's that it's it, it does affect. I, I think those should be separate because when you're trying to sell, how amazing the thing is where you're actually dealing with problems. But, but what's good about you know, I love an MD who leads by example. Somebody who has um you know, laid a Fomex board on the floor or printed a set of flyers on the floor, who's actually jumped in the van and went and delivered, mm-hmm. um, who has looked after the market and who's went out and sold the client. When you've touched every point of your business, you know you know where the weaknesses are, you know where you need to strengthen, you know where people can cut corners and things like that. You've you've been there, you've done it, you know. Exactly. And you, you have your your eyes are open to everything, you know, and you know your business inside out. It's one of the beauty about starting things as a one person operation. Yeah. Like, you know, you yeah. start you, you you know every area of the business. Yeah. Like even though you might be focusing on one thing and you know something's slipping on the other one and you're like, I'll get that, but you know everything in yeah. the business. But it's amazing it's amazing how if, if you do something and you do it right, you know I never stop and reflect, but apart from a day like this, but when you look back and you realise over you know, we sold out in eleven years, but you know, we grew it was from nothing. Mm-hmm. We grew it from absolutely nothing. But it was just pure repetition, never missing a deadline. I mean, Kaizen is built on never missing deadlines. If you miss deadlines, you'll lose business. Mm-hmm. And it was just that constant repetition um, of delivering over and over and over and being available. And I mean, I seen us on a on a on a Friday evening at ten o'clock getting a phone call, probably from Anto at Shine at the limelight saying, <laughs> "Guys, where's my posters?" And one of us jumping in the car and coming back down the Friday evening. And making sure he had his posters on time, something's maybe been missed. It's just that relentless, never letting anybody down, and and people respect that, and and they trust you, and they'll and go again and again. Yeah, and and I was actually so shocked whenever I first started, because I was con- one of the things that I really noticed within the first year was I had because I was just mobile phone, Facebook page, Gumtree. That was that was the only advertising yeah, yeah. I'd done, so it was all coming to my mobile, and I was constantly like booking jobs and booking. They were all small ones. But I was sitting going, the, people were always texting me saying, are you coming tomorrow? Are you definitely coming tomorrow? Are you definitely coming tomorrow? Yeah. And I was like, listen, I've said I'll be there and I'll be there. And I quickly started to realize that 80% of, you know, starting a business is just sticking to your word. If you show up and you're reliable, <laughs> yeah. your name will spread because, Absolutely. you know, some I've dealt with a lot of local services over the years and some people don't get back to you. They don't yeah. ring you back. They don't show up. Then you're chasing them. It's it's wild. It's for me, for me in business, speed of response and speed of how you action what you're going to do and deliver on that mm-hmm. is key you know i always talk about your biggest attribute in selling and growing your business is speed so for example speed comes down to in your business for example so somebody sends an email inquiry and looking you know a removal booked in in our business we have um we have a set criteria where you have to reply to that lead whether it be call or email within one hour mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, if everybody's absolutely swamped and we're having the busiest month of our, of our year, we'll allow a reply to happen within that day. But if something comes in before five o'clock, it needs action that day. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But we try our best to, deli- to deliver a response within one hour. A, that'll show that you guys are on the ball. It'll build trust immediately with a client. Okay. Right, yeah. And, 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 you know, all they want is a solution and you are a solution, right? So even if you, it's a warm lead if it's coming through the website. If, People aren't, yeah. yeah they're, uh, and if, yeah. You're, if you're priced Chris at £1,000, but the next guy comes back and he's £900, you know, but he took three days to get back, I guarantee they're going with your order. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to they're gonna deal with you, you know, and that's, so sometimes a business, 
you don't always have to be the cheapest. You you have to be re- reasonably priced, but you have to be the best at what you do. So and speeds everything. And in business, and it's the same in buying houses. You know, so at the moment, obviously, you know, we'll move on to talk about that. But but for example, if an estate agent rings me and says, uh, Marty, you viewed a house uh, three months ago. Um, it's fallen through. Buyers getting a bit distressed here. They're getting a bit annoyed. They just mm. want the sale to go through. I know you priced the house at twenty grand, or sorry, you bid twenty grand cheaper than what they agreed. You know, would your price still stand? They might go for it. If you can move at speed and make a call on that day and say, "Great, I'll go for it," and and I don't want today. You know, they will. They'll move. They'll move quick. So speed is so important in speed buying and selling uh, and business and. We, normally, if we're doing quotes, I like to have them out that day or yeah. first thing the next morning before yeah. 10 o'clock because obviously if you're doing quotes up right up, we need to go and price them up and stuff. But the the amount of times that I've had to wait for quotes on services that you I'm looking for, and, and it could be yeah. 7, 12 days before I've even yeah. got a quote. Now, people, for for us, we, we're trying to get, not saying we're trying to get people in the door, but we have a limited amount of dates per month. Yeah. So we want to get people who have quoted, we want them having the quote within uh, 24 hours, want them followed up within 72 at yeah. least once yeah and and go from there because it's it, it's important that you're that the follow-ups for us it's not just to go are you, are you going to go ahead with yeah. the book and it's for us to answer any questions and really put their mind at ease because people always have a million questions That's when they it. don't do something on a regular basis selling to me is people oh i can't sell you know i couldn't start my business because i can't sell you know selling is just finding a solution you, you create a business idea sorry your business idea is usually a solution to people's problems right okay but i and, say you know we, right. we, we we don't move furniture we solve your moving problems exactly right yeah. you know yeah. and 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 you know and, and kaizen we we create brands we we we, we create printed material because people want to market and they want to get their brand out there and they want to shout and they want to grow their business. We we offer solutions, right? And 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 that's all selling is. It's just it's just it's just educating people on what you do and how you can solve their problems. And as well as that, you know that you mentioned there about follow up. The power of follow up and sales is, is everything. So so you know, I often talk about um, one of our key clients in Dublin. Um, I reached out to the marketing director and I would say it took me five phone calls. Yeah, yeah. And numerous emails. This is maybe 10 years ago when we were absolutely hammering it to try and get business. Yeah. To eventually just get a meeting. And when I went down and I had a meeting, the meeting was actually quite cold. But all I was looking for was one opportunity. And I said, I'm like, I just need one opportunity. You give me an opportunity to price you up some, some work that you need done. And I'll make sure you have the job printed and delivered within 24 hours, right? And we done it. And we delivered on our promise. You've got to deliver on your promises. Mm-hmm. And now that client would spend in excess of maybe a hundred grand a year with Kaizen. But that just starts out of starts the yeah. Speed, responding, making sure you deliver on your promises. And it, it's you just gotta be true to your word, you know. I would bet that if I went through my LinkedIn profile and I went on to my messages and I typed your name, there there would be a sales message in there somewhere. No, so maybe two or three years. Could ago. be, could be. But actually there's something I don't know if you know this. Um I don't know whether we've talked about this before, but I remember going to an event. It was probably about four or five years ago. And, and I actually met one of your sales guys. Right. And I had mentioned to him, I was like, yeah, I think we're, we're looking at getting a new website done. I'm not even joking you. Within three hours, boom, LinkedIn message. Awesome. Saying, are you, are you open for a meeting? And I, I actually already agreed to do it with somebody else. Yeah. And then he followed up a week later. Yeah. And I was like, and then he says, did, did you manage to get that website going through? Is there anything but, that we can do for you? But that's selling. And, selling and, is just circling. And I was if, going, if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have already agree, agreed for somebody else to do you this, went with it. I would have went with it. Yeah. Because he was dead on when I met him. Yeah. He followed up straight away. He was listening. He actually knew what I wanted. And to be honest, the guy that done my website done a 
horrendous job of it that okay. year. I had to get it redone again a couple of years later, if but, even but, a year later. But listen, selling is just circling your clients, circling and circling, whether it be contacting them on LinkedIn, on social medias, on email, on phone, and in a nice way. You're not harassing the person. But, I usually uh, but, like but to call, even, yeah. even like with to call your, them with some sort of value, yeah. pro, like, is there anything we can help That's with? Or, is there any questions? And then with all your marketing, you're circling them as well to the point where matter which way they turn mm-hmm. whether it be a, a clear channel out of out of home advert to see kaizen or they see crisscross removals you know followed by the cs you know you, maybe a social media campaign or a linkedin campaign followed by maybe a bit of printed material to just receive in the post then you're emailing them then you're contacting them it's just constant circling and and mm-hmm. and, and you appear a lot bigger than what you are you know yeah. people people used to say to us in our early years wow geez kaizen you know see your vans on the road everywhere you're flat out I used to love people saying your vans on the road because we only had one, right? And it was it was it was it was just one small caddy yeah. van. But everybody used to say, "God, yeah. I see I see one of your fleet of, fleet of, fleet of caddies on the road." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, guys are everywhere, you know." But you appear a lot bigger, and that's just again branding on the van, you know, making noise around the city. Mm-hmm. And um, but there's there's loads of cute ways that you can be you can you can you can play smart, you know. And yeah, um, but yeah, here, I, I agree. You know, following up is is just. It, it, it's absolutely key and even though I, I wouldn't say our level of inquiries is humongous it's yeah. really not but it's we, we adapt the same principles you just talked about you know if somebody contacts us that day obviously if it's outside of working hours slightly different but we're we're on the ball we're getting in touch with them we're getting them booked in for a quote yeah call them a couple of times emailing back you know we're trying to get people r- responded to as yeah. quickly as possible yeah. and yeah. we'll have a process in order to do that and yeah. it's it's important and, and our team follow the process to a T and our you know, we don't find it hard to get quotes booked in yeah. because we're on the ball. Absolutely. And it's, and it's so, so important. If you're quicker than the guy before, you'll win the work. Yeah. But I, I wanted to move on Um, about, you, obviously, you've started up your own property business recently. Yep, yep. Um, and and you've you've actually amassed quite a following in such a short space of time. I, yeah. I, I think I looked one week and you had like 700 followers and about two weeks later it was like 1,300. Yeah, well, like, it's... And, and to be honest, I suppose I suppose that's the real reason for for it. I mean, I'm... I'm um, I'm not massive on social media, you know, and and uh, but in the world we live in today, uh, you know, I feel there's a need for it, and I'm trying to get a bit of a, a bit of an interest going here. So, so the reason, so Lofty Property Investments Limited, we registered, I registered the company there about um, three or four months ago. But um, how it all began was in 2008, I bought my first home with my wife, and um, we made the worst property deal of our, of our of our life, right? Like anybody else who bought in 2008. We weren't wise to it, you know. We, we we thought we had to get on the ladder, and um, we made this purchase. We bought this house at one hundred and sixty-eight k, which is probably only worth about one hundred and forty k today. Still hasn't even mm-hmm. reached back to, to what it was. Um, now, luckily, over the years, um, we've been able to clear down that mortgage and that property. Now, still cash flows, but really well as part of my portfolio. But but for years at, there, at the time, at the was, time was, I was like. Yeah. What have I done, you know? <laughs> so for years I've educated You're myself. Stuck, you were stuck with it? Because stuck with it, yeah. It was I, a negative equity. I was an yeah, accidental yeah. landlord. You know, you hear people calling themselves an accidental landlord. And, and that's how I get into it. I had to keep the house. Um, so for me, I educated myself over the years, done a number of property courses over in London, read about 10 or 15 books, YouTubed it, podcasted it, you name it, just to learn all the different strategies you know, in terms of how you can make money in property. And, and, and that came out of me making, making sure I didn't make the same mistake twice. Um, so luckily, um, when I bought our second home, things were going well in Kaizen. We decided to, to move to a slightly bigger home. Um, 
luckily we bought a house at the right time, which is almost doubled in value today. So, so, so we, we done better out of our second home than we did out of our first home, let's say. Because you were a bit more knowledgeable. A bit yeah, more yeah. knowledgeable. <laughs> and, and, and I suppose it kind of guts me that, that, that schools and, 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 and any sort of education, whether it be university or, 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 or regional college, they don't teach kids this stuff, you know. And, and, you know, they don't teach kids financials. They don't teach kids about mortgages, about debt, about credit card debt. And they good just, debt, you know, bad debt. Good debt, yep. bad debt. They just, you know, some people only learn about that stuff when they make mistakes. You know, property purchases, when to purchase, how, how to purchase, how to negotiate sales, all that type of stuff. Um, so so basically then, second property bought that, um, and then obviously following the sale of Kaizen, um, my main goal was to then start investing in property. Yeah. And um, so I got a bit more heavily into the into the education, making sure I was going, going down the right roads. And it's like anything, and I've had so many people reach out and message me. It's been amazing. The feedback's been amazing, but everybody's still so scared to take that first step, right? And I was too. Even, you know, four or five years ago, yes, I was an accidental landlord since 2008, but I don't really count, I don't really say that I've started in property back in 2008 because I was forced to back then. But my my own real journey of property investing sort of started the last four or five years, okay? Yeah, yeah. And um, obviously when the property sale went through, that accelerated because I was able to invest a bit more of the money into property. Um, and, and my own goal, I mean, there's so many different strategies strategies in property that people don't understand. You can you can have yeah. buy-lets, you can have um, buy, Airbnbs, buy you can, well, there's the buy-refurbished re- refinance model, which is a strategy. You can have a HMO strategy, which is like a student, you know, people yeah, refer HMO, to like a student yeah, yeah. loan, lo, or sorry, a student let type of thing, um, type approach. There's commercial, turning it into residential. There's so many different strategies, right? But I wanted to keep it nice and simple. And for me, the way I look at it is property goes up in value, right? Mm-hmm. We've all heard the story about your grandmother who bought her house for 25 grand. Yeah. Right? We've all heard, you know, people telling the story like that, right? Or, you know, what's the average, pr- I don't even know what the average house price in Northern Ireland is today, but it's probably pushing upwards mm-hmm. on 200K. You know, so property goes up in value over time. It's like stocks and shares. Yeah, it goes up, it comes down, it goes up, it goes down, it comes, but... Over time, it, if you a, look at over, it's a great hedge against inflation, right? You know. it's a great hedge against inflation. But capital growth, it will go up. If you buy a property today, you can bet your bottom dollar. Whenever you're sixty, the house is going to be worth a hell of a lot more money than what it was when you bought it. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so that a lot of people would advise that you buy property and hold it long term. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that what I wanted to do was start buying some buy lets, um, and that was the whole buy, refurbish, refinance, and rent, rent, rent model. Get your pull your money out. Get your re- and, refinance. Get the mortgage, and then put, get yeah, all the money you. A put lot of people struggle to understand that model. I've had so many people, and I've tried to explain it to them. And until I've, you get face to face and explain it to them, it, it's a difficult one where where you can effectively have like a twenty five grand deposit, buy your first property, refurbish it. Um, refinance it, pull mm-hmm. all your money back out, but because you bought the house below below market value, you and can you add, add value to it. You add you value the, to the 75% it. 75% loan. That's it, right? It's just going to give you your cash purchase plus your, or your deposit plus For your, the next one. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of people don't realize that with 125... And, and even if you don't get it all out, even yeah, if you get if everything you get 20 grand of it out, like right? Seven, if you, if you it's do, still you lose, your stepping stone to your next one. And a lot of people don't understand that with 20 or 25 grand, you can get started. It's all a shed ton of money, right? But, you know, if you worked hard at it, if you side hustled, if you saved it, some people are maybe sitting on it in their own mortgage at the moment where they could refinance yeah. their house at the moment because property prices have went through the roof over the last two or three years. So they could be sitting on money in there that Equity, they could draw yep, out, yep. right? Um, a family member maybe passes away. 
there's so many reasons where so, there's more money sitting in people's pot than they realise. And, 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 and I understand it's tough times at the moment, um, but, but sometimes people are sitting on it and they don't realise. But with that 120 or 25k deposit, you could buy multi... If done right, you could buy three, four, five, six buy-to-lets, okay? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of one model I was focusing on um, of late. Um, I'm a wee bit risk-averse, so what I done was, instead of pulling like the 75%, I actually only pulled out about 50%. Mm-hmm. So I've left more equity in the homes. So, so they, you d- if you need to take more out, you can. I can, but plus they cash flow a little bit better. Um, and, and it just kind of sits a bit easier with me that I have a house, for example, that's yeah. worth maybe 120 that I only owe 50 or 60K on, okay? Um, rather than pulling out the full 90K, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that was one model. And then I suppose just with it, um, that worked really well. I have some... By let's cash flow and making maybe four fifty profit a month. Many of those have you done? So I've I've, I've four of those at the moment. Okay, you've got four that you've done in uh, the last two or three BRR. years. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Right, very um, good. Um, which are all cash flowing really well in and around sort of the Lisburn, Finnicky, Belfast area. Um, the the property values are for like there's if you can get one at a good price, like well I flip well, I'll tell you it's a such story. a desirable place to live. Absolutely, like uh, Windchurch and Rosetta as well is another one. Unbelievable, and I I I bought one house there. Um, uh, it's in a, in a in a housing estate in in in, in just off Dunmurray, and um, the house was on the market at a hundred k, and I got a bit of a um, uh, I got wind that there was a bit of a distressed seller that the seller the vendor just needed to go they needed out and they needed out quick and they would take a quick cash sale, so I kind of was a bit you know uh, how would you say keen I kind of went in and thought you know what I. I I'll offer you 70k and I'll close on it today. Mm-hmm. And to my surprise, she took it, right? Mm. So there in that, I just created a 30k profit in a house. I bought a house for 70k. I refurbed it to 90, okay? Mm-hmm. So it stood mm-hmm. me 90k refurb, but my refurb added value to the house. And the house next door, which was finished every bit as nice as mine after refurb, just sold for 130k. So I now have a house there, which was originally on the market 100k, which I now stands me about 90K, okay? Yeah, yeah. But it's worth 130K. So my first initial reaction was, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to pull out the 40K profit. However, what I'd done was I kind of thought, hold on a second. This was back at the start of last year when interest rates were quite low. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of thought, I can get a 60K mortgage on that for about 100 quid, right, mm-hmm. a month. So I kind of thought, right, if I do that and, and put it on a fixed sort of a, an interest-only fixed mortgage for five years, that will make me £450 profit. By the time you take a couple of extra fees... Yeah, per month, per month, yeah, yeah. £450 a month profit, right? And then you can is, still refinance it in a few years' which time, is the guts if you of, want. Exactly, which is the guts of five grand profit a year. There's 25 grand over the five years, plus I've still got the capital growth in the background. So I kind of thought, I'm going to buy and hold mm. that. So, and then I pumped that. Once I pulled out some of the money, I pushed, pushed that money into the next one and so on. So, th- so that was my initial plan, which I was doing. Interest rates grew, sort of increased over the last year. As we all know, they, they were they're absolutely through the roof. Uh, in the large scheme of things, actually, interest rates are not through the roof. They're, you know, if you look back, they're, they have they're, been they're a lot actually, higher. They're, they're, actually, they're actually where they should be, where really. Sh- you're right, you're right. Because we've been, bl- yeah. we've been blessed over the last 10, yeah. 12 years with, yeah. with 1.7 to, yeah. to 3% interest rates. Yeah. Now they're sitting at 5% and, and everybody's everybody's going mad. Yeah. And it's like, well, they were 15% back yeah. when your mum and dad bought a house. Exactly. So so they're not actually through the roof. They have still they still could go a lot higher. Thank, thanks um, for educating me, dad, by the way. Appreciate yeah. <laughs> it. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, 
as interest rates started to go up, the cash flow opportunity on buy lets for me was a little bit mm. too tight, maybe 250, 300 per house. And I kind of thought, you know what? Still a good buy, you know, because at the end of the day, 300 pound profit a month, still great, right? Depending on what your yield is and so on. Um, but for me, what I, what I wanted to focus on once over the next few years then was just some sort of flip projects, right? Getting in, getting out. It's not what the educators advise you to do. Um, but, but for me, when just... The, when the market's on the way up, that's a good strategy yeah, though. Yeah. You, you want to do below market value and BRRR yeah. while the market's in a nice stable place. But yeah. when it's going up like it was, flip is probably a good one if you well, can get it for a good price. Exactly. And again, whatever you're buying them, whether you're buying a buy let or you're buying a flip project or whatever, you're always trying to buy from a distressed seller and you're always trying to buy that sort of building in that 20, 30 grand below market value, right? Okay. So you can build in profit. It's like anything. People always say your profit's made when you buy and you sell, right? Okay. And anything that you do, right? So if you buy cheap and sell high, houses is no different. You know, <laughs> if I'm selling print, if I buy the paper cheap and sell the print there, great, you make a load of profit in the middle. You know, at the end of the day, your service has a cost. You know, if you can reduce that cost and sell high, great. You know, so so houses is no different. Um, again, one, one big factor that I would say to anybody who is even maybe considering flipping a house, always have two outs, right? Okay, so what I mean by that is, have multiple exit strategies. Exactly, yeah, right? Yeah. Because say, for example, I'm I'm um, working on a house at the moment in Finnegy, um, which I'm going to potentially flip, may keep it, kind of got my two out strategies, but I'm thinking I'll probably flip it at this you stage. Want, yeah, refine, yeah, go so, ahead, sorry. So, so what, what I would say to you is make sure you're buying houses, even if you plan to flip it in areas that still rent well, that would cash flow well, that there would be a high demand for, yeah. so that if the market, was, for example, was to massively crash in the middle, Sure, I can still rent it out and hold it long term. You won't, you know, people would panic and say, Oh my goodness. People, somebody reached out to me today and said, Are you not holding the market might dip and stuff? No, well, I'll just buy and I'll flip it on. But if the market dips, I'll just hold it long term and cash flow it. You know, yeah. So yeah. so as long as as long as you're buying houses and there's and a there's multiple exits, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a price point. For example, my first purchase, flip purchase, was a four bed bungalow in Lisbon, right? Bit naive, bit young, bit wet behind the years. The whole way through that process, I thought, if this market dips, yeah, I'm going to be stuck with a four-bed bungalow in Lisburn, right? Now, would it have rented? Absolutely. But I was out of pocket 270K on that house, right? Okay. Jesus, right. Right? And my thought was, I'm probably only going to get a £1,000 rent for this house. Right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas I have a house that stands me, or maybe a hundred grand house that's making me 725 rent a month. Mm-hmm. So for what I would say is, if you're if you're if you're looking two outs, probably look in that region of 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 hundred k to maybe 160, 170, maybe hundred eighty k, and try and buy on that window because you don't want to be out of pocket two hundred seventy k for a house that's not going to bring you in excessive rent. Gonna, yeah, it's not going. Yeah, you know it's not the 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 rental yield isn't there exactly. So so you know you probably just need to find a window that works for you, and that'll depend on what area you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also always just try and have two outs. So always try and buy in an area that you can flip a house well, or you can you can effectively rent it if you have to, keep it long term and sell it twenty years down the line whenever the house prices are through the roof. Yeah. So I actually I have a property story. So I uh, four or five years ago, whenever I was saying I was doing multiple things, property was one of those things. Yep. Got hit with a Facebook ad, went and done a course, all the whole lot, and I was like, it's like I'm really gonna I'm really gonna yeah. I'm gonna do deal sourcing here. And I was like, you know, had the suit on, I was running around estate agents and I actually did get a little bit of momentum. I was going to view a lot of houses and I seen one house on the market for 
I think at the time it was like 92 grand. They needed a lot of work done. And I was like, it's like that looks like a good buy. But yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye on that. So I'll put it in the, the favourites or whatever it was. Like three weeks later, I had a look and it was about, down to about 75. Okay. And I was like, right, okay. I was like, this is good. So I went and viewed it anyway. I found out that the, I, I, I can't remember the exact story and I don't want to say it here in case it's personal to someone, but I ended up making an offer and getting a house for 50 grand. Okay. And I knew by by the way the area was, it was worth at least 100. Yeah, yeah. And I was going, right, this is an absolute steal here. So yeah. I managed to get it for 50k cash. Now I didn't have a pot to piss in at this stage. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up, I ended up going to my dad and he just sold his business and I was yeah. like, dad, I was like, this house is an absolute steal. And he was like, I was like, what do you know about property? And I was like, well, I've, I've done a, done this course and whatever else. And I, I was like, honestly, you should you should you should take this. It's a yeah. it's a great buy. And so we went then, done it. He bought the house and he done a. I think he done. I think he spent fifteen k in the refurb or something. And and now it's worth well well over a hundred hundred and thirty. Still own it. Still owns it. Just didn't didn't refinance it. Didn't do nothing. So you sometimes you just have to. The the moral of the story is sometimes when you're you're doing property or doing any deal. You need to be a little bit cheeky, and and you know you do. So, sometimes yeah. it's a numbers game. Yeah. If you're if you're wanting to buy a, a, a house for f- the the more the more the more your emotions get involved in, in buying yeah. that property, yeah. the worse of a decision you're going to make. Yeah, you need never, to be able to yeah. go to twenty properties, even if they all look like amazing projects, and put offers in every single one of them, and expect it not that you know expect not to get through. It's in my opinion, it would be a numbers game. Nearly every single one that I have bought, and I've been through agents, right? But I've bought them the second or third time around where they've fallen through and this, the seller's getting a wee bit pissed off and a wee bit distressed. And all of a sudden, then your offer looks a wee bit more appealing, right? Because you're the only one offering. And somebody once said to me, it's often better to buy it the second time round of you and rather than the first time because at that stage, your money, your your, your money's, you know, and, and they'll want it more. So, yeah, as well as that, you're the first person that they call because they know that yeah. you're going to go through with the sale. And I, and I get and those calls. And you're going to honor your price yeah, and, 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 or your and offer. It, and as well as that, with the agents, you have to be credible. You have to be able to move at speed, make a call, know that's... Th- and how do you know it's a good deal? People often wonder, how do I know it's a good deal? What does a good deal look like? You know, and for me, it's really quite simple, right? About three years ago, I started an Excel doc, right? And I would advise everybody to do this, right? And I trawled through Property Pal. And what I'd done was I tried to find the... In the areas... Now, again, small areas that I wanted to work in, okay? And I tried to find... um. 10 out of 10 houses, right? So houses that I thought were a beautiful finish, finished beautiful, and I called them 10 out of 10 houses. So for example, in an area, if a house was 10 out of 10, it was priced at 150, I know that's my ceiling price in that area, right? Yeah. And I kept an Excel doc methodically for about six months, knowing, okay, well, that one made 165, that one made 150, that's my ceiling price, in and around 150 to 160. And and then really, I mean, you got to remember here, I'm a pen pusher, right? So I left university, you know, I worked in the car trade for a bit, started Kaizen. Like, I couldn't have hammered a nail into a wall five or six years ago, right? Com- <laughs> you know, complete complete pen pusher, and I'm happy to admit it, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, so I didn't know how to price windows. I didn't know what gas heating installation cost. I didn't know how much a wooden floor would cost. I didn't know how much a bathroom suite would cost. I had to do all that research and learn all that. And yeah, on the first one, there was a wee bit of guesstimating, right? Okay. But I wasn't too far away. It's amazing. Google can teach you a lot of things. But what you got to do then is if your ceiling price is 150, rough estimate on your on your refurb cost, say that's 30K, for example, brings you back to 120. And on that type of house, somebody once said to me, you shouldn't be, if you're doing a flip project or even a buy let project, you should be building in 30K profit. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anything less than that doesn't allow you any contingency. 
you know, it, it gets a bit tight. I somebody and once plus there's six months of work in it too. Six you know, months of not, work in it. It's yeah. not like especially it's not if, like you, you're, if you're doing you're, this full yeah. time. You know, that's six months of work minimum. I mean, I've had that bungalow I talked about earlier on. I had for fourteen months. You yeah. know. Um, so some some I mean, the one I'm working on at the moment I reckon I'll have done in three or four months so so they really can stretch depending on how big the project is but so you get your 150 you minus your 30k refurb cost mm. you minus your 30k profit right okay that's 60k coming off your 150 90k is your ceiling price there's no emotion in it right okay you might love the project you might love the area your great granny might have lived in the area and you really want it and you love the next door it's 90 grand right that's the highest you're going right and you might start a wee bit lower than that and work up to that. But, um, you know, so now bear in mind that house is probably on the market 100, 120K because it's not as nice as the 150K yeah. house in the street. But you've got to be able to negotiate that down and be credible and and, and, and and be able to move quick on that. Again, speed at that point's key, you know. And, but that that that's the good thing about, you know, having available funds to do that yeah. whoever whoever can act it the quickest is yeah. gonna is gonna That's get it's gonna yeah. get the deal and, and, and there like, are ways where people can get funds to have them sitting there's bridging loans there's family there's you know they have equity well, in their that, mortgage that, that's what i done it's not yeah. like i I didn't have anything but i yeah. just knew it was a good spot deal. deal yeah and i was like i was like dad i was like you'd be a fool if you didn't go I'd for a, this like i had a friend said to me him, he's, he's bumped around up again this yeah. year he's loving life he's but i in portugal right now i had a friend <laughs> said to me recently he says but marty you know nobody has 25 grand and i get that but but you know they might not have it sitting in their bank account today, but they might have family or friends who have a mass savings. They might have they might have money in their equity profit in their share. home, profit share, and a couple whatever. The, the people will. But this, but this is where this is where sales comes. This is yeah. where you need to be able to sell. You need to be able to show them that it's a the good deal and say, look, you know, I've got the know how. I'll deal with the project. You have the cash. Yeah. It's a fifty. You know, there's 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 ways around it. My don't, dad, don't let money be the. My dad, who's the the least riskiest person you'll ever meet. <laughs> said to me last week I've X number of pounds sitting there if you need it for one of your projects and that's his way of saying I'm bought into what you're doing right mm -hmm. whereas for years he had said to me clear all your mortgages down and don't have any debt and and you know and, and keep your money in your pocket keep it in the bank keep it safe you know um, and you know so yeah things you know things change things move on when people trust and see what you're doing is right and, and at the end of the day you know when I when when you when you can show you can execute yeah. on it too, people and, are happy you, to invest yeah. in you, and you get better at it. You get better at it as you go. You know, so for example, I'm on what project seven or eight at the moment, trying to remember. Um, but so this um, obviously at the time I was still working quite heavily in case, so I, I was quite time poor, so I had to bring a building contractor in, yeah, um, and get him to do all the work at the house. So there's one I done finicky last year, and I got him to do all the work at the house, but because I bought it right. And sold it right. I made forty eight k profit on one flip, right? And I did. I apart from clearing up after a building contractor, I didn't do a whole pile. Done a wee bit of curb edging and a wee bit of garden tidying up, but not much. This one that I'm currently working on, another one in a similar area in Finnegy, I'm just managing the whole process myself because a wee bit more time. And you want you want to you want to know what it's like, and yeah. you don't because you don't want you know you, you don't want week, your, your yeah, eye wiped either. Last week we were knocking down garages. This week I was doing some curb edging. Um, we've got the kitchen on the go. The bathrooms just going in as we speak. You know, and and it's really not rocket science. And when you do one, you know all the process. You know what's required. You'll hit a few road bumps, but you'll learn as you go. And not only is this one moving at pace a lot quicker because I'm not relying on a building contractor who's running. 15 or 20 projects I'm managing it all myself it's moving really quick and I reckon I'll have I'm actually trying to do this one as quick as I can to see 
how quickly you can do a project just mm -hmm. to set myself a bit of a target. And I reckon I'll have this one done in three or four months. Yeah. And it's a full refurb start to finish. Plus while you're only doing it part-time as yeah, well. Exactly. You know, so, so and I'm only really doing this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So um, you know, but you can keep things moving as long as you as long as you've got a good team around you. It's like anything, you're only as good as the people you have around you. But be good sort of tradesmen, good joiner, good plaster, good good obviously plumber and spark. Guys who are turning up on time, delivering on their promises. Get them it and make, hold makes on life them. easier. Yeah, absolutely. I actually just I want to go back there and just touch on something that you mentioned. You know, especially about you know money and and yeah. you know people's perceptions of it because everybody a lot of people are like you know want to hold on to yeah. it and you know to grow my business. I, I sort of take, took the same concept of, of property having some sort of passive recurring income, and obviously being in the business I'm in, I was like, well, storage is the next logical yeah. explanation yeah, because. Yeah. People, we've already got people in storage from somewhere else. We're bringing them in here. They're paying us every month through a direct debit. Yeah, It's a no-brainer. It's going to cover the cost of our office. But I went to, to uh, I got a, I got approved for the loan that I needed for mm -hmm. it. And then I went, fuck, I'd rather not pay the bank back all this interest. So I went to a couple of family members and said, look, look, I can get this storage up and running. I've already got the business sitting there. Yeah, It's going to be a big cost of me getting it moved from one place to our new place. And I was like, and we'll, we'll, we can all make a bit together. And, and yeah. they were happy because they knew I had a, had a track record of, yeah. of executing yeah. in this particular business. They knew I knew the business mm -hmm. and they were like, they were happy to do it. So if probably the same thing um, with, you know, you were, you were talking about people who maybe have family members yeah. uh, who maybe have some money but to try and get started. Yeah. If you can prove, if you can go and prove to people around you that you can execute on those promises, People will be happy to invest in you. But you, you, you said there, you made a comment earlier on about good debt versus bad debt, right? So, um, that, that's good debt for right? me because right? I'm not paying it yeah. personally. You know, but, other people but as are well as it. that. So you know, bad debts, your credit cards, your car finance loan, stuff that's not ever going to make you money, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas you've taken a loan, whether it be from family, friends, a bank, whatever, you've taken a loan to invest in something that's going to make you multiple returns, which will make you profit over and above by the time you pay the loan back. Yeah. Right? So that's good debt, right? And a lot of people, you know, I was always brought up, no debt, don't have any debt. Debt's bad, right? Okay. And 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 to be to be fair, that's actually the way we ran our business. Um we, we try to run um our previous business as a debt free business. However, you know, we still leased a couple of print machines. Yeah. Right. Now they might have cost us a couple of thousand pounds a month or something. But we knew that we were making more money out of them than what we were what we were paying. So mm -hmm. again, good debt. Now, would so, I want a whole load of good debt? I don't know. It's still in my head. I was always taught debt's bad, right? So I always struggled to lose that mentality that I, I, I just don't want any debt, right? But there's a whole big difference between getting a buy-to-let mortgage, which is seen as good debt. You have somebody in there. And for example, on that house I mentioned earlier on, I pay £100 a month on the mortgage of 60K or whatever it was. But I'm getting seven two five rent a month out of the people that are in the house, right? Yeah, yeah. And the house is going up in value, so it's just a business decision. That's all it is. You know, I don't really get hung up that I owe the bank sixty thousand pound on that house. Some people take the full seventy percent out, and on a house that's worth one thirty, they may owe a hundred grand or ninety grand or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I kind of, you know, me having that, I don't really like that mindset. I kind of only have, I kind of a smaller mortgage on it. It sits easier with me. But I mean, the way any educator, property educator will teach you is that, you know, get the full 75% out and pump it into the next one and go again and go again. I don't know. For me, it's just definitely a smart way to do it. Absolutely. 
Um, but it's just a, a, a tiny bit riskier, just in case the market was to was to dip at any point, you could end up with multiple properties in in negative equity. Yeah, um, and I yeah. suppose with my my track record with the first house that I bought, I there, don't ever, there's always that little. I don't ever want to be in yeah. that position, so that's why I carry smaller mortgages on the buy lets. But again, there's there's um you know good debt versus bad debt, and and the the, the deal that you just mentioned you you made with your family, you know that's good debt to me because you're making more returns from your storage. And, and you're paying them back, and they're happy. And every every everybody's happy because everybody's everybody's, happy. everybody's making money. Yeah. And and yeah. there's no way that I could have, I, I could have grew the business eventually to that size, probably through saving. Yeah. But I, I would have rather, you know, only live once, and I'm 32. I'm not saying I'm getting on, but I'm like I'd yeah. rather. I've, it's not like I was trying to start a storage operation from scratch. Yeah. I already had the business. I was paying another company for yeah. it. So I was like, well, I've got enough money coming in. I'm paying them out this this money. So why not? move all the stuff up, and then I've but already got the business started. Another thing as well, you know, just talking about people's perception of money and stuff, and you said that earlier on, and I think people in NI don't really like to talk about money, right? And um, it's like frowned upon. I was always taught, no, you know, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't talk about money, you know, and, and things like that. And and that's grand. But what I would always say to anybody in business is, you know, how much do you really need? You know, it's the whole world of social media. People get, I, I'll never be the guy on social media you know, renting the jet and, and you know, taking a picture on the runway and showing people have a load of money. Like, that's a load of, whole load of crap to me, right? You know, it's, how much money do you really need? Some people earn £2,000 a month. Some people earn 1500 Some people earn three or £4,000. But they're probably all still happy and they all live a perfect little life with their families and whatever else. You know, I think a lot of people in business get greedy for money and, and, and want more, whereas... I suppose with the property thing, yeah, I'm I'm doing it for a bit of financial gain and so on as well. But I'm also trying to do it to educate people that that they can do it. Like I'm, yeah. I as I said, five years ago, I can't put a nail in the wall, and now all of a sudden I'm refurbing houses and look at building developments mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff. And I'm still learning as I go. But that for me is the enjoyment. I'm, I'm kind of learning as I go, and and I enjoy that challenge. And um, you're but, still you're in the early but, stages of yeah. a new business, and you're but, and, but and anybody, you're back, you've got the fire back again. But anybody can do that, you know. Yeah, there's no. Yeah. The whole reason for it is is for me to yes educate people on what I'm doing and educate them that they can do, you know that they can follow suit and educate them through all the strategies and that's one of the reasons I'm trying to grow a social media following, um, because I enjoy educating right it's something that I enjoy doing and for me from your work it can't all be about financial gain you've got to enjoy what you do right I you know I said uh, to my wife last week you know I knocked the garage down and stuff with with uh, Gareth from MC Property Maintenance a good friend of mine old school friend and and. We loved it. We had the best crack all day in the sun with sledgehammers. And that's a that's a world apart from me sitting behind my desk with a pen for the last thirteen years. So I'm enjoying it and it's 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 you know, that's as much that's important to me every bit as much as it is making the thirties and forties and fifty Ks per house, you know. And I know that's why a lot of people want to get into it. Um but I suppose what I'm trying to educate people is if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm no different, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's just about taking that first step. So sometimes, for you know, I don't know whether you've ever found this, but this is certainly something that I find. And I was getting a little bit complacent last year with the business. You know, it was taking over nicely, a nice living. I didn't really have to do. I could have went down at like ten and finished it, whatever. Had yeah. a couple of quotes to do a week, and I kind of wanted this year. I kind of got the a crossroads last year, at the, especially towards the end of the year. I was like, do I shut this down and try something else, or do I just go? gung-ho at it and go yeah. right get the story started and get it get it all going and, and really 
put put the effort in. And see, once I made that decision to grow the business again, and I was like, right, I've got the so I had the storage project, and now I've got different projects on all over the place, and I'm like, I'm excited again. Yeah, I like yeah, yeah. because now I need to go and learn about yeah building building job roles and doing all this and creating. If you're things. learning, you're engaged, yeah, and your and your brain's going and. And it, you know, I love that, and that's that's what that's what the houses are for me at the moment. You know, the property game is just, it's just. I'm reading, I'm learning, I'm reaching out to friends, I'm borrowing diggers, I'm getting wood chippers into clear land stuff I've never done before. Yeah, and I'm loving it. You know, whereas um, I think as as entrepreneurs or, and or business owners, we'll we'll love to be working on project based kind of yeah, work, absolutely. running day to day, yeah, repetitive operations. You do it for a certain amount of time, then you're like, I want to go on to the next thing, and. Yeah. Well, it's important to do those things, but it's it's. Uh, I like to be focusing on a couple of projects within the business because yep. then I've got something to book in time for and really be like, right, I can, I, you can get a bit of creativity flowing. Yeah, yeah. And, and here, look, I'm a self-confessed workaholic, you know, and I, I don't get me wrong, I'll always put family first, family and, and the kids and stuff always come first. Um, but, um, like, I'm a workaholic. I, I need projects. I need to get up in the morning. I need to know you know, uh, where I'm going, what I'm doing, where my next pound's coming from, and, and I'm hungry for that. And and I suppose, you know, that's just an inner drive that, that some people have, And and but, like, my, my brain never stops, you know. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's just constantly looking for the next, again, you can get sucked into too many different things. Again, you gotta, you gotta focus on the, on the things you're good at and, um, and the things that you know you can execute and do well. Um, and and that's what that's what the whole lofty properties things is is for me at the moment. It's it's something I'm enjoying. Um, it's different from what I'm used to, and uh, and yeah, here you mentioned about the following. The following's on the up, and hopefully, hopefully the content I'm putting out is coming across as you know real and and again, I'm trying to make it sort of humorous and fun and yeah, and and yeah. uh, not not trying to be anybody that I'm not. You know, just kind of trying to trying to trying to put the message out there that listen, I'm no different from you. You've done it. Your dad's done it. If I can do it, the next guy can do it, and I can help them on their but, journey. You know. Yeah, the good news about the, the lofty properties is it's much more you. Yeah. You know, it's maybe Kaizen was its own brand. Yeah. The same way I'm trying to separate myself from crisscross removals yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. And and you know the lofty property is much more you because you know yeah. you're not going to have to grow teams of people. No. You're happy, and I don't want to. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, um, we've done that, and and. And, so and that brings be a bit more yourself. That brings its own challenges, and and you know, to me, with lofty properties, there is also an attraction that it is just me, you know. And um, you know, my wife helps me with all the interior design. I'm pulling in a couple of friends from the trade to work on jobs, and we're having the best crack as we do it, and we're making a few pounds as we go, and we're helping others, and people are reaching out, and we're educating as we go. Um, you know, and the long-term plan there for me is 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 to actually run education courses as well. I'm sitting writing education packs at the moment. Um, which you know it's in the making. It's going to take a bit of time to get it right. I want to. I want to finally execute it and make sure it's it's perfect before we we launch that. But that's also that's going to be around starting an actual business, but also then how to grow a property business and all the strategies that are involved in that. Because I want to kind of do do a dual approach. Because I think as well as a lot of people who are scared to make the first step in property, I think people are actually scared to take the first step into running their own business. And and I remember being that person, but it's actually. It's, no matter what business you're doing, whether it be a removal business and storage business, whether it be a property business, print business, a graphic design, a marketing business, whatever, all the same principles apply, you know, and all, a lot of the principles that we have discussed today, it's all the same. You just got to, you got to apply all the principles and apply yourself and, mm-hmm. and um, 
manage your costs and you gotta you gotta manage your people and manage the processes and and the services that you offer and if you do it right and you continue to do it and and, and you keep an eye on everything you'll you'll make a bit of profit in the middle yeah and and it's it's no different no matter what game you're in so I kind of want to quite passionate about educating people on on not only property business but also mm. like starting st- startup businesses you know they they I'm not even joking you the most sh- hard the hardest decision I've ever had to make um, was whenever I was working in my old job yeah. and started the van business on the side and see that in-between point between leaving your job oh, and, and going out on your own. That is the hardest decision by far I've ever had to make. Without so a doubt. for anybody who is listening, um, if you are in that position and see once you make that decision to leave there, every decision you make after that about anything to do with the business you're running is going to be much easier than making that decision to yeah. leave and leaving that security. But it is taking that first step, and and it doesn't have to be a big one. It no. can be the for for a property. It could be just book one viewing. That's book it. Book one viewing. That's put it. one offer on, yeah. and you don't even have to and have I, the money for the offer. Just put an offer on. What's the worst? You know, you just at the end of the day as well. Listen, anybody you know who are interested in property and, and and wanting to take that first step, reach out. Drop me a message on Instagram or something. You know, I'm I'm. But what's I'm your tra- Instagram again? Just uh, it's uh, lofty underscore properties. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm actually actively wants to learn about property. I'm get actually. In touch. Actively replying to people and everybody's reaching out of guys all across England, all across NI, and I'm and I'm actively just trying to help them all now. There, I'm hoping at some point it gets to the point where I just I can't help everybody, you know, through that channel. But at the moment, I'm just loving engaging and helping. And am I an expert? No, but do I know what I've done over the last five or six years and over the last thirteen years in business? Yeah, I can. And you know, can I help anybody with marketing? Can I help anybody with um, you know? How to deal with accountants? You know, can I help anybody with whether or not they need to be, you know, stick as a sole trader or become a limited company? Give them a bit of advice on that. And um, can I help people buy and sell houses? Absolutely. You know, there's so many different things that I've done over the years, and I'm still learning from other people. You know, there's plenty of people that I'm meeting up with for coffees for people who have done been in this game a long time, and they're giving me their time, and it's amazing. You know, but that's one thing about NI. People are really, really helpful and really keen to it's help such a small community yeah here. and and everybody knows everybody and and you know so what i would say is anybody interested reach out let's get it you know let's i don't have all the time in the world to go for coffees and stuff because i'm obviously still in kais in four days a week and um, but absolutely let's get on the text and let's let's see if we can help anybody out so well, that's it one of the reasons i really wanted to get you on is because not only you know you see all these people that maybe do a course do a couple of property deals and then all of a sudden they're selling selling their own course you actually have a track record and not only Doing, doing successful flip and yep. BRRR projects in your spare time. Yep. But you've also grown, systematized and sold a business. Yep. Which is, which, which, which those two put together is go, is obviously going to give you an edge over a lot of other yeah. um, people trying to sell property education. Yep. So if anybody does want to reach out to them, it's at lof, or lofty underscore properties. Said, yep, yep. Drop yep. a message. Uh, you're, you're answering, you're, you're helping people out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. Um, well, look, th- thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And if anybody, if everybody likes the show or anybody has any suggestions or anything you want to say, drop drop a link in the comments, but or drop a link. <laughs> drop, drop something in the comments below. Like and subscribe and please share it to your stories. And I will see you again the next time. Thank you very much for coming on, Marty. Appreciate for having me. Thanks. All the best.